Hello and welcome to Inverticast. Um, I'm Nat and today we're joined by uh, Leah from Tarantula Leahs and Logan is going to join us shortly hopefully. Um, how you doing Leah? I'm great. How are you Nat? Do you know what? I'm not too bad actually. Um, big day as I was saying to you um, off screen when we were you know, it's been the Western Invert Show, one of the biggest Invert Shows apart from BTS in the UK. Yeah. Um, and it was intense. It was oh, hot, imagine. sticky. Everyone <laughs> had like beads of sweat coming from their heads. No <laughs> one could get to any tables. Um, but it was great. Um, awesome. So just sort of recovering from that at the moment. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, they had... um. They had lots of soil there, Leah, and I, I think that's what we're going to be talking about today, isn't it? Substrate. Yes, and... substrate and um, just kind of how we do our enclosures or how, just we, sort of, how we make them. <laughs> sort of like an open discussion, really, isn't it? it, it like, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is uh, a definitive how-to guide. Um, Certainly because, not. Because things change. Um, things change constantly, as we know, within the hobby um but oh, yeah, yeah. I, I i think it's really it's a really interesting topic um, it is i agree i totally agree um because well you do you do your substrate and your enclosures with a bioactive so usually well, you have live plants it's it's, it's, it's semi-bioactive I, I wouldn't say it's fully bioactive and, and if we think about uh the podcast from last week when we were speaking yeah. to brian right uh, from 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 rubber ducky isopods he was talking really bioactive on the um, sub-microscopic level, whereas right. I think mine look more, they look bioactive, but they do have live plants in them. Yeah, That's good. I, I would say that I stay away from isopods within my mix and other sort of live things, but I do put springtails in. Um, oh, that's always good. Yes. What, what about you? What's what's yours? I your are you a, a bioactiver or what, what do Actually, you do? Actually, no. I'm uh, I'm more naturalistic, but I'm I'm basically like mimicking nature. So I do have kind of like the little synthetic plants and stuff that I mm -hmm. buy at craft stores. Um, and then I will, I've lately I've been doing little magnets on the leaves and stuff so that I can just I've, place them on. I've seen and, they look amazing. It's like oh, amazing. Thank you. An amazing little <laughs> hack there, really. Yeah, and it, it works really well because, you know, if the tarantula decides to tear apart the enclosure or tear apart the leaves and whatnot, um, they can still be used later um, in, like, another enclosure or something. So I am not bioactive, um, but I will occasionally throw springtails into enclosures um, if it's getting, if it seems to be getting kind of mildewy or, you know, it's, like, too moist. Um, then those little gnats kind of show up. So then I, I will throw the springtails or a couple isopods in there just to keep everything kind of balanced. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm kind of, maybe I'm half and half. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what are you, what are you using? So I, 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 we could actually start on what, what is actually available, right? Yes. So absolutely. Uh, cocoa fiber. We, right. that I think everyone really starts with cocoa fiber, don't they? Or uh, is it core? People call it core as well. Is that right? No, that's not the right pronunciation. Maybe. Uh, I don't. I know like... that I use. Um, there's actually quite a few substrates out there. So there's like a few from like Zilla and uh, uh, what's the reptile one? It's called reptile. Something reptile. Uh, I don't know. Exo. Oh, it's Exo. Exoterra. That's the one I'm thinking oh, oh, of. Oh, the Exoterra substrates. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Zilla substrates, and of course there's BioDude. Who yeah, I'm kind of a fan of BioDude. He's got some good stuff. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a few, and I actually even know people who uh, will get uh, like potting soil without yeah. without the um, pesticides. So you can get potting soil without pesticides, and oh, so the that. the organic the organic uh, mm -hmm. compost and and topping soil and. and yeah so what do you use what what is your what is your go-to um at, at actually, the moment at the moment my go-to is zilla 
uh, jungle mix substrate. So um, it's called jungle mix. I don't really know what that means, but I know that there's little bits of sphagnum moss and kind of charcoal and just kinds of things that like add texture to the substrate rather than it just being dirt or, you know, like cocoa fiber. And, um, and then yeah, so I, it have like twigs and different detritus in it, like yes. break down. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they're really great, really substantial for those, you know, for isopods and that bioactive enclosures. Um, I just don't plant plants. <laughs> well, um, so do I, I think with that substrate, you can actually plant live plants into it, can't you? Yes, um, I believe so. I think, I think it's recommended to maybe put a, a potting compost below it, so like a sub layer, mm. and then having that on top, so it's got some some areas to to root into. Um, awesome. Well, when we if we go back to cocoa fiber, so yeah. everyone kind of starts off with cocoa fiber in the hobby. Yes, I definitely did. I am trying to quit. I go to a cocoa fiber monthly group. We all stand right. around saying that you know we've given up cocoa fiber and we're now bioactive and uh, no, I joke. Um, cocoa fiber, it's it's cheap. I it don't is. know if you if you find it, it's it's a quite a cheap it substrate is. to get. I agree. I do think that is very cost effective. Um, the only issue with it is that it is only cocoa fiber. Yeah. Um, for me, that's kind of a, a pitfall. Like I would mm. rather mix that in with something else yeah. to make it, give it that texture like it would have in nature. Cause um, you know, obviously habitats, they're all gonna range a little bit, but they all will have, you know, some, some leaf litter and little bits of wood or little bits of, you know, moss and stuff like that. Like dirt isn't just one yeah. thing. Um, do, you, do you think the spider knows this though? I, you know, I think that no, <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, think they really no, do. I don't, I don't. I don't think they do. I'm not sure I, they care. <laughs> I think, I think with cocoa fiber, it's definitely a really good place to start. And as some of our listeners have have said, using it for things as if you're raising slings, mm -hmm. if you're um, if you're doing quick changes between mm -hmm. um, some some people. Some people will keep a tarantula, let's say. Let's talk about tarantulas, because that's what me and you are comfortable with. Absolutely. Uh, they will start off on a sling pot and then go straight to the adult enclosure because they want to reduce that. So you might be thinking you go from cocoa fiber over to whatever substrate you use. Right. I would also say that there's like some really big influencers um, within the community, aren't there? So if you're thinking oh, yeah. about Pet Petco, Tom Moran, um, right. Uh, Richard from the Tarantula Collective. Mm -hmm. If you look at their older videos, they mm -hmm. use cocoa fiber. They do. Um, they co use cocoa fiber. It has a place. I, I one really good thing I I like about cocoa fiber is that it's light. Yeah, so I do like that too. When we're thinking about like moving our enclosures, to, we go and do feeding. Some people may not be able to do feeding on the shelf. Mm. You like I my dream would be have to have something like Petco's got a nice setup. Um, Petco's got the dream when yeah. it comes when it comes to a critter room yeah. or, you know, he's really yeah. got he's got the a really great setup. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. love his shelvings and. But but one of one of the um, one of the main issues and um, it has been touched on is that cocoa fiber dries out really fast. So it it does dry out really fast, and um, if you're keeping a humid dependent tarantula, let's say, mm -hmm. it, it's it's another job on top of the many other jobs that we have when we keep spiders. Um, there's oh, also there's also the, the thing that I've come across quite a lot um, is about how it compacts mm. so we we want to make sure especially um because let's say for instance tarantulas are quite fragile so if they fall um you will fluff up your cocoa fiber put it into the um enclosure the five gallon ten gallon whatever exoterra you've got mm -hmm. 
And over time, it will slowly shrink and compact. Yes. And so that's increasing that height. But right. it is, but it can, it's very versatile. It can be used. Uh, spiders, tarantulas will use it. Oh, yeah. For, um, they can web, they can tunnel in it. Mm-hmm. So, and when you, lots of people aren't aware of this, but when you look at, like you're taking one of those enclosures apart, you'll get a tube of silk come out. And it'll be what's supporting that cocoa fiber so so they can have that. So it, it definitely has that. But it, it benefits are as well is that it's um it doesn't mold easy. It does mold, but it, it mold, doesn't mold it's not, it, it, not very yeah. easy. It, it's definitely something because it's not so uh full of bioactiveness, I suppose. True, I agree. Um well and that's actually one of the reasons that I use the the Zilla jungle mix is because i have found that that is it's relatively light it's mm-hmm. similar to cocoa fiber um but it also allows for those burrows and it keeps moisture a little better than the cocoa fiber does mm-hmm. um and for me that's kind of a huge issue just because i i live here in colorado uh we're at high altitude so the air up here is a lot thinner um which means that moisture is just psh- suck right out of the air really quickly um so for my moisture dependent tarantulas i don't like i said i don't like to use cocoa fiber a whole lot just because because of that moisture uh side of everything so with with what i use it keeps moisture really well like let me see if i can find um so this is my trinidad pink it's the cereocosmus longipes yeah um and you can see that it there's like a layer that is just maintained that moisture yeah. because this is, you know, another tarantula that definitely depends on that moisture. So that's another reason I really like this is because I can see just how how much humidity or how much moisture is still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it makes sense to me for that. Yeah. But I do yeah. like cocoa fiber. I do think it's light. If, if the tarantulas burrow, like caves in somehow or like just kind of crumbles down the cocoa fight it's not going to hurt the tarantula as badly yeah you know um yeah i i i I think also a negative with it as well is it's um positive first Mm. of all let's go with a positive it's really easy to store because it comes in those little pucks or the pack uh, of the the, the bricks (laughs) and things yeah. The flip side of that, though, the negative is the preparation time. So right. if you have you to gotta... soak it, and um, you, you're not going to want to put freshly soaked uh, cocoa fiber into an enclosure, no, uh, you want you want to leave it for a day or so to to evaporate off a little bit. So that's Absolutely. I would say that that's kind of a, another negative. But mm-hmm. as as we're talking about substrate, mm-hmm. I think we've definitely come on. Uh, leaps and bounds, especially I would say over the last ten years. Oh, absolutely. Com- compared <laughs> to maybe how we were keeping uh, inverts before, so there's mm-hmm. there's definitely something to be said that that back in the day, and mm-hmm. uh, it's so back in the day, and not saying that it's wrong, um, but how tarantulas used to be kept on vermiculite i know there's probably people people listening to this probably still keep their tarantulas on vermiculite i'm Um, sure vermiculite is still very useful um for a lot of you know invert keepers and stuff yeah um i have never used it personally so i really don't know sorry (laughs) no 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 i was i was listening i was agreeing with you (laughs) oh okay yeah i mean i haven't i haven't used it but I do know that vermiculite, um, the reason that they did use it was because it was really great at maintaining that moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, like that's kind of why a lot of people really liked it. And that was just kind of the go-to thing, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And then and then also orc, orc bark chippings. There we mm-hmm. go. I got that out. Um, orc bark chip, chippings. You'll, <laughs> you'll see people that, that still keep um, their spiders on that and well when we need to try and understand is why that is and and i think um going back 10 years ago you didn't have 
such brilliant tarantula dealers um, about back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would go to your local pet shop that will keep a OBT, let's say, just for argument's sake, on sure. orchid bark chippings. The reason why they're doing that is because they want the spider to be out and be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but you you learn through vis- visual things, and if that's how the pet shop keeps it, that's how you're going to keep it. And right, you, you know, we could then go into like red light bulbs and things, but we won't talk about that today. <laughs> no, um, don't worry. But you will, and it's in it's in a lot of the literature and a lot of. Um, YouTube videos, old YouTube videos, you might mm-hmm. get a, a YouTube video that's got, let's say, a million views, but it's been out for 10 years. So right. we need to really think about that math side of things that is going to have more views. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be there. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct. Um, well, and that's one thing that I really like about our hobby, and that's what makes this podcast so wonderful is that we're always changing we're always learning we're you know developing new skills we're we're seeing things that weren't working before um and we tweak them tweak and peak as they say and fix it and make it work better um and so yeah i agree like some of some videos from you know five ten years ago are not always going to be the best information like for now no, and, and you, that that translates over to loads of stuff, doesn't it, within the, yeah, within the real world? So, absolutely. Um, but talking about the vermiculite side of things, uh, mm. I've I've been informed recently. Uh, I can't remember who it's. I think it might have been through tarantula ramblings. Okay. Uh, we were talking about vermiculite, vermiculite and substrate, and talking about mold and mm. different outbreaks because also mold is like. A really fearful thing. It's not nice to look at. No, you're worried not. if it, you're worried if it's going to um, affect your spider in some way. Right. Um, there is definitely a concern of that. Well, I do believe that it does. I, I think mold actually can attract those parasites that we really yeah. don't want um, coming into our enclosures and getting to those tarantulas mm-hmm. because, you know, mites is one thing. We can do something about mites. But when we're talking about like nematodes or, you know, that kind of parasite where there's nothing we could do about it and it it's the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so vermiculite can. Uh, so what uh, tarantula ramblings was telling telling me the other week is uh-huh. that it reduces mold outbreaks within the substrate, which I really want to go and start looking into. I was thinking of doing yeah. a. Um, Doing a side by side experiment, having two empty enclosures, same soil, but one of mm-hmm. them having vermiculite in and one of them not, and just topping them up with water and seeing which one, if any, um, molds up, molds molds up first, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and just sort of like having a look, having a look at that. I think when when we think about substrates and things, I think that's like a really important thing as well is about think about like what works for you. Right. Right. Uh, right, and, right. What, and what's available. Uh, so peat moss, do you use peat moss in the States? Uh, I do believe we do. I think that the, we do have some peat moss. Um, me, I'm, I'm a big fan of sphagnum moss mm-hmm. or the New Zealand sphagnum moss. Um, yeah. And I haven't quite, I don't believe I've used peat moss. So, so peat moss isn't actually a moss. Um, it is uh, like a soil. Oh, right. Um, it, we call it peat moss. Okay. I'm just, I'm just Googling it a second. Um, I think it's actually part of the mix that I use in the jungle mix. Yeah. I think that there is a little bit of peat moss in the... Yeah. I So they, I know within the UK they are trying to reduce the use of peat moss mm-hmm. um, due to where it's farmed from. So from oh. the peat bogs and how it's impacting on the uh, natural ecosphere as such in that area. Oh. See, I didn't know that. Mm. Thank you for informing yeah. me. Um, but, when, <laughs> but but talk about smag, smag, smagnum moss. Oh, you say it, Leah. Say it for me. Which one? Smag- 
the 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 smack sphagnum moss. Smack. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. Um, but but talking about that, that 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 it's a really good resource to use. Absolutely. Um, when we yes. think about humidity and right. creating those humid pockets within the substrate. Definitely. And, they, and and that can be used for within all sorts of inverts. So when we're thinking about millipedes and mm -hmm. isopods, um, burrowing beetles, everything. Oh, sure. it, it's such a good a good way to keep it, keep the soil active, I suppose, is the only Absolutely. way to yeah i i agree i really like sphagnum moss i feel like it it really holds that moisture like again i'm all about that keeping the moisture in um and it also kind of makes the enclosure like if you put it in just on its own it actually looks really great yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah, very it, natural it does do you get um do you get colored do you get dyed moss where you uh, are or is it natural i think most of it is very natural uh we do get this green like grassy type moss stuff yeah um that is that is really nice but it's it's green so i would assume that's probably the natural color of it um but as far as dyed stuff i haven't seen any dyed stuff and i'm not yeah. sure that would be super beneficial anyhow no i know that some rep so out of the invert world but more in the reptile world they do sure. have lots of like dyed oh yeah for, for the enclosures and say things and uh, i've i've heard stories of how the the dyed moss if the animals eat it they can take on the color not inverts but but reptiles sure. like reptiles yeah <laughs> because of the because of the dyes in it but that's a really good way to to keep that moisture level up for sure absolutely um, it's like mixing yeah. that in there um what what about any, any of your arid tarantulas do you reckon it's all right to keep your arid tarantulas on sand let's say um yes like kind of a mixture of the whatever substrate you use so like the cocoa fiber and then if you put a little sand in there i think that's okay too um yeah. you know just keep a nice light mixture for it, it. it it's about actually having a mix isn't it, it, it is yes. I, I, I don't i don't think they're <laughs> so if we if we were to think about like the six-eyed sand spider yes that, that absolutely that, that's that's sand and yeah you definitely we were... want sorry yeah. I, I apologize no 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 no, no, you, no, no. you definitely want sand to be the primary substrate for that for that invert for sure like any yeah. any invert that is you know from a desert or like uses the sand for some purpose then you're definitely going to want that sand but for most tarantulas and and in my in my experience the sand is not great all on its own for tarantulas because it can actually be really abrasive to their arms and their legs and and their bodies basically their exoskeletons so um, yeah. mixing and, it in is always good and, and and if we if, and if we say for instance if we look at the aphonopalma calcodes mm -hmm. um, they they don't nest in a in a sand dune as such or uh, i know it's a they come from a very arid space but you'll find their burrows in the root systems of plants and trees yes where there's a bit more substance in it and it and it's not sand um, uh -huh when we're thinking about that but if you were to be so if you were to be keeping your your uh inverts on a on a let's say a arid substrate well what's your go-to leah for an arid substrate um definitely see again i would go with the jungle mix but i would definitely mix a little bit of sand in that yeah um and probably some uh we have like little wood chip type things or like uh i believe what are they called cypress mulch if you take a little bit of the cypress mulch and mm -hmm. and put that in the substrate that also makes for a really nice like arid kind of feeling uh substrate mm -hmm. um and it works really well for the tarantulas because again it adds that texture and then it's not only like the sand and the substrate if that makes sense yeah, yeah, no, no, that 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 makes total sense, and and I and I think it's about having those like bits of detritus in there and, and stuff, especially for 
for animals that are creating a den and yes. um and doing stuff i i suppose if we were to be thinking about um let's say let's think about uh mantis substrate's yes. not really important for them is it uh, i think it can be but no not really they they really like to hang out on leaves and yeah uh branches and whatnot a- absolutely i i think the if if i was to be thinking about substrate within my enclosures for my mantis even though mine's like free roaming somewhere in the flat. I'm not, <laughs> not sure where he is at the moment, but he's definitely around somewhere. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Every now and again, I will, f- I'll, I'll be looking for him and I'll just be like, where is he? And you know, <laughs> it, it, it clicks and he will be where the, I keep all my live food and he'll be mm. like on the side of the container. I'm like, okay, so you're hungry, right? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's sort that out. Um, I find keeping substrate in with my mantis like really important. So I put uh, yes. a good inch or so at the bottom, cover it with moss, and mm-hmm. it helps that humidity again. As yeah. you know, I, I I think one of the really good things about one of the really important things, not one of the good things, one of the really important things about substrate is that it holds that humidity. Right. Um, even if we have a dry and arid, uh, or or what we would say uh, from the Aphonopelma family right uh they they come from quite an arid climate mm-hmm. but they will burrow and they're burrowing because they're trying to find that moisture that yes. they're yeah. trying to regulate and, and find that that spot um not so much with the um balfouri right um the sulcata or island blue baboon tarantula mm-hmm. um, but within their web castle Let's say if we're keeping a communal one, they once again they 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 do have like there's little pockets of of, of um, humidity in there as well. So well, certainly, yeah. Uh, but I I think I think what I find sometimes is when you maybe when you may maybe first think about an arid species, you suddenly think right, no moisture, sand, <laughs> right. dry. Well, Sahara actually, desert, you know. yeah, Sahara Desert, like <laughs> or, or um, Death Valley, you know, what Death the Valley, hardest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it will survive there. Well, actually, it, I, I think we really need to um, think about adding that humidity because there, there are spikes in areas and definitely um, you get you get humidity in the morning, don't you, with the with the morning oh, dew and stuff. So certainly, like uh, this, the southeast region of the United States is actually kind of kind of crazy because it goes from one extreme to another um throughout the the day cycle so you know like you were saying with death valley it can get up to what 112 or so degrees in the daytime in the summer and then it'll drop down to to 40 50 in the evenings um in the nighttime so yeah definitely there is moisture in these areas um and it does you know, I agree with you that the the tarantulas will burrow and and they're seeking out that moisture. They're seeking yeah. out like a cooler spot because, you know, you and I both know we we don't want our tarantulas in direct sunlight because it really yeah. fr- it fries them. You know, um, so when they burrow, that's that's essentially what they're doing is they're mm-hmm. absolutely searching for that yeah, moisture. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 I do think I think even for mantises like you said substrate can be very very important for those humidity level levels um like the orchid mantis um is a tropical species they're from malaysia um or yeah they're from malaysia so they they need a lot of humidity they need about 70 to to 80 percent humidity mm. um so that's that and that's how you achieve it is through your substrate so i think it's really important to talk about the you know the best methods of mixing your substrate and and what to use for that so it's good do, do you have like a uh if you were to mix up your substrate do you have a best method you you you, you may have just walked into that by saying that i, I, <laughs> I did didn't i <laughs> um I, usually I don't know if, if you have anything like a certain recipe or anything that you use somewhat i mean i kind of go by what the terrain what the invert needs so if like I said, if it's one of those high humidity, you know, uh, very moisture dependent species, then I'm going to use a little more of my the jungle mix yeah. um, than I would cocoa fiber or 
sand or anything like that. So I would use a lot more of that and then um, probably a bit of cocoa fiber because it does help to to keep that moisture in there. So I would mm-hmm. mix that pretty good. Maybe about like about a 70-30 mix. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but if we're talking about like, uh, you know, the Monocentropus belfori, um, then then it would probably just be more more of a like a 40 60 mix. yeah so you'd be going a bit more dry on on, mm-hmm. on that i i yeah. would, you know I, I would definitely agree with you on that i the balfouri communal that i got recently yeah i i was trying to look into that and i was thinking about getting the um the arid earth kit from zoomed is it zoomed? Oh, okay. i think it's zoomed that do that where you can effectively make tunnels and awesome stuff. um excavator clay that's what i was looking for that's it yes Excav- i know yeah. richard uses that and petco and yeah yeah they, they they've all sort of like had a bash at that haven't they yeah and then over here we, in, in the uk we were i was discussing it with some of the other keepers uh-huh. and uh i was recommended the arcadia arid earth which is a really oh. nice um substrate however when it arrived it was quite moist which i thought was quite surprising seeing as it was meant to be arid earth yeah that's so with that as well i i just added some more sand to it and and as you say it's about i think you learn as you go along don't you about yes. what what's going to work for for those uh specific species not everything's going to work you can't just have right can't have you, one you can just have one back. One back <laughs> yeah, you 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 can. Um, yeah, your um, invert, no matter what it is, might just survive and not thrive, though. Right. They they might just do. Um, right. Think, it would be we, like that bare minimum, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it would like be going back to keeping them on vermiculite or just right. orchid bark or mm-hmm. or just pure sand. Um, I've, I I can't remember which video it was, and I, I wouldn't name and shame anyway. But no worries. I remember, I remember <laughs> seeing an old one where, you know, keeping a a brachypalma humari humari on um, white sand. Oh wow! Looked lovely. Looked absolutely stunning. Sure, it was but, awesome. But that but that spider is not loving life. No, um, they they and, need that opportunity to even be able to burrow and and. And with sand, it's it's too heavy. Their burrows, you know, cave in for them. It's just not so great. No, no. And but that you know, it might work if you're thinking about having uh, something like a a desert hairy scorpion or a June scorpion, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But even even then, you're going to want to mix a little bit of cocoa core in. Definitely. When, when you're when you're doing that. Um, so so yeah have you got anything uh, your your last rehouse what what have you been oh been doing because so, yeah. sort of on the substrate talk okay <laughs> actually yeah i just rehoused um in my upcoming my next video that i'll be releasing on my channel will be a cereopagus levitum so the cobalt blue tarantula um and so the substrate that i used um you know, this is a tarantula that comes from Thailand and Myanmar. So that whole region is very, very moist. It's a tropical region, although they do have a couple of arid plateau um, mm-hmm. areas. So for mine, I used that jungle mix, like I said, and then I basically mixed in a little bit of um, wood chips and whatnot just to add that texture. Um, but as far as the whole enclosure goes, that's pretty much all I did. I made okay. nice, nice deep substrate and a little beginner burrow, and she got in there good. Actually, this video is going to be really funny. I, I think you'll like it. <laughs> good, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it it better be funny because you've said it's pretty <laughs> funny, so I'm going to be. Took me a while. It took me I'm a looking. while to get her into a new enclosure because she was, she well. She was very spicy when when she finally came out, but she yeah. hid so well from me. I had to actually dig her out. It really sucked, and I was nervous. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I've just so what you said something actually quite poignant. That, oh, um, 
that I wanted to touch upon, actually, is you said about adding depth. So yeah. I, myself, I have just rehoused three fossorial tarantulas. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, the can kraken, two of them. Oh. Uh, I've rehoused and sorry, I'm common names today. I'm generally common names anyway. That's okay. Smoky Earth um, Tiger, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. um the a Java Fury. Oh oh that's gonna bug me. It was something Java Penta anyway. It'll come to me. Uh, and for them, I actually use quite a a wet mix. Oh. Absolutely. Not, not not sopping wet, but you know, wet down one like a damp mix and then wet down one corner. Right. But it goes back to the conversation we were when we were talking about when you would go to a pet shop and you would see that spider on maybe yeah. like a half inch of substrate and things. And and yeah. when we think about keeping keeping our inverts, whether they are tarantulas, isopods. Um, things that maybe we would class as terrestrial, mm -hmm. um, they they actually bless you. Uh, <laughs> they for for those listening, that was uh, Leah's lovely partner having a. That season, was my partner. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but actually, even things that are terrestrial, though they may not be obligated borrowers, and mm -hmm. that can go for you know, it's not just about tarantulas. Mm -hmm. um, to give them the option to do that, you'll actually find that their natural behavior is they will borrow at some they point, will. somewhere, mm -hmm. and 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 doing that. And Petco actually did a really good video of one of his uh, tarantulas where he made like the six foot container. Have you seen that one where he makes a no. enclosure really deep for one of his fossorial tarantulas? It oh, may wow. not be six foot; it might be like four and a half foot, five foot. And it burrowed all the way down to the bottom. Oh my goodness! And when when we think about it, we don't have to do that for our our tarantulas. So no, people yeah. people people that are listening, please do not go out. Getting, <laughs> well, if you can, if you want, but um, sure. I mean, you can, but, but uh, it's about, don't it's have about giving, to. It's about giving them enough. Um, it's about giving them enough opportunity. And um, hold on, Leah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the door's just knocked. A second. Sorry. Oh, oh. it's Dorothy. Hello. Dorothy Hi. was at the door. Hello, Dorothy. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi. Good. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad. We're just chatting dirt, really. Dirt yeah. and substrate and substrate. Sort of different. Different like bits dirt. and bobs. We've got, yeah. <laughs> got a few jars of dirt, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a few. Yeah, it's, it's part is, of the hobby, isn't it? What is your go-to mix for substrate? Like, uh, what do you like to use? Because we were talking about, you know, cocoa fiber and the vermiculite I, of olden yeah. days. Go ahead. I do not like cocoa fiber. It no. molds <gasps> way too easily. I it's it's not my favorite. Um, I tried a homemade mix and it was okay-ish. Um, okay. I mixed, uh, you know, an OMRI certified topsoil with clay sand and um, excavator clay, you know, to give it that, that structure. Um, mm -hmm. But it actually molded really bad one day, like all of a sudden, one of my Arminia enclosures was really bad. Oh. And I didn't have any more of my mix on hand. So I quickly went on to Petco and I ordered some Reptisoil actually. And I had uh -huh. never tried it before. But now that I've tried it, I'm like, this is actually kind of amazing. So I, I think what, what Dorothy's saying is actually really interesting, though, is that maybe sometimes we try to save a buck. Uh-huh. Um, and we make our own mixes and doing things. But sometimes uh, off the shelf, we were just saying about like how sometimes we can be like oh we're going to make a mix and um it's mm -hmm. going to be it's cheap it's going to be affordable but then sometimes you can just buy something off the shelf mm -hmm. and um and it works right yeah yeah people that's, listening that's... dorothy's nodding uh, <laughs> 
that is one thing that I love about the jungle mix is because I can use only that and it works just as well as if I mixed it in with something else, you know. So Yeah, we I, I use um Spider Life. I'm still waiting for them to contact me so they'll sponsor me, but you know, it's not gonna not gonna happen Fingers for crossed. some time. Fingers <laughs> crossed you can only but you can only hope. Um but I haven't had any issues with Spider Life. It's Great um it's a really good robust substrate and it's really um malleable in a sense as you can let it dry out and it's perfect for those um arid kind of enclosures or, or it holds moisture really well because it's got loads of bits of um biologicals that that break down and hold the moisture so mm. so it, it, you know it's fascinating and just before you came on uh, dorothy we were talking about um allowing deep yeah. substrate for yeah. our our um our animals what are your thoughts on that are you are you a proponent of that or you know i i feel like it's really important to assess the needs of your specific animal because mm -hmm. i have a lot of the same species mm -hmm. but each of them exhibit different behaviors like i have multiple mm -hmm. salmopeus erminias right Mm -hmm. And a lot of them exhibit different behaviors. And so I think it's really important that if your um, tarantula is, if you've noticed that your tarantula likes to burrow more, you should definitely give them more substrate, even if they're technically in a boreal, because Samos like to make a little dirt curtain. And, and one of mine really yeah. likes to make an, uh, an opening at the bottom in the corner of the cork bark. And mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that she really likes to burrow down a little bit. So I gave her a little bit of extra substrate, but, um, one of my other ones, she's always up. She's at the top. She doesn't care about the dirt. She doesn't touch the dirt. Dirt is bad, you know? So I think it's really important that you assess the needs of your specific animal and watch their behaviors. And yeah. like, cause even though, you know, I, I love that we have the classification of arboreal, terrestrial, fossorial, but I feel yes. like there are more like subcategories than that. Yeah. And, like yeah i agree i feel like it's just it's really important to to know you know your animal and if you notice something that you need to change in there definitely you know make the changes make it more comfortable for them so that you know your animal's comfortable it'll make you more comfortable and the proper enclosure will prevent a lot of um problems accidents escapes all that other good stuff so i think and, it's and just it, really it, important it, that you know your it, animal it, it also prevents a lot of that defensive behavior we see as well so by giving them that opportunity yeah. to burrow to escape um in a good substrate that holds um that holds its shape uh you yeah. you're gonna have a more happy um tarantula if we're talking about tarantulas Absolutely. but it, it, it's the same for for all other inverts as well i think sometimes you'll have people or or people will have inverts sorry and they may not be that the expensive one the, the the 300 pound one and things and mm -hmm. so they may not get the the same sort of level as care and things but i think it's really important to do that for, for all of them to give them all that opportunity to sort of thrive really uh yeah. within it um, what are your what are your thoughts dorothy on bioactive um i personally am a big fan of bioactive but i wish that i had the patience and the time and the energy and the effort to do it for all of my spiders um some of them are bioactive some of them are not um the bioactive enclosures definitely like i don't really have a lot of problems with mold or anything else in those enclosures specifically i mean i don't really have a lot of mold problems but um once i switched over some of my spiders to bioactive i realized that it was a lot less maintenance for me and mm. although it might be more work in the beginning i feel like it creates a more um, productive environment for them to not just survive, but thrive. So I'm definitely a fan of bioactive, but if someone wants to come do it, I will come pay you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it I, I, will, I will get my plane ticket and I will come on over. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, have, a, have a go. But I, I think it, it's definitely, like you said, there is a lot of work at the beginning, uh, but I think the majority of the work is uh, gaining an understanding of how it works. Once you've gained that understanding of how it works, it's actually quite easy, especially if you have your pothos uh, growing, ready mm -hmm. to go in, and all the all the equipment there uh, ready to go. But it is that 
is the juice worth the squeeze at the beginning? And, and about getting that understanding, you're not going to have a bioactor with cocoa fiber. It needs right. to be natural. Um, you can mix cocoa fiber into it. And, and I have seen bioactives with, with that in it. Um, but you're really going to have to start thinking about like that naturalistic side of things and, and what uh, animals can go within the soils to help it go. Like Brian talked about some brilliant stuff on last week's podcast mm. when he was talking about having um, composting worms and the, the layers yeah. and, and the different aspects. I might look into doing one enclosure with composting worms in and, and mm. see see how that goes I, I i think it would be a really good food source especially for fossorial uh tarantulas as there's a big argument at the moment around the i i know we shouldn't dig out our fossorial tarantulas we haven't seen them for a long time though there is there becomes a point as a keeper where you're like oh i i really should yeah. uh, tom moran actually talks about the only time he's ever dropped um, uh, uh, injure cricket down a tunnel was when he saw that effectively his tarantula was starving but not coming up. But in the wild, they probably wouldn't be starving because they would be eating the animals that are living in the soil that are coming out into their tunnels and 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 right. stuff. So yeah, I think it would be a really interesting thing. However, you're going to want to make sure that the composting worms don't take over. Uh, yeah. I, so I have kind of a question as far as that goes with the with the bioactive uh, enclosures. Like, would it be smarter maybe to set up an enclosure maybe like one or two weeks before you actually put your invert into it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Is that like the recommended? Yeah, yeah. I what I tend to do um, mm. is I'll have it set up for a month um, okay. before doing it, or if not. I'll have it really planned out about what I'm going to do. Nice. Um, okay. The, the 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 internet only see a very small part of what I do. So like the videos I put on, I might make um make a quick or it has to be a rehouse because I yeah. had a feather feather leg that was on cocoa fiber and uh, the s calcetum and I I just wanted to get it into something a bit more natural. Um, mm. I don't know about you, Dorothy. Do you? Do you leave it for a couple of weeks before putting something in there? What What do you do? Yeah, I like to set it, set it up and let it hang out for a little bit. Because obviously, you know, if you're, I mean, a lot of my tarantulas have come to me um, in ways that aren't exactly traditional. Like a lot of mine were, um, you know, people weren't comfortable taking care of them. Or mm -hmm. so some of mine have been kind of last minute. But, um, you know, if you know your tarantula is coming, you can definitely set it up beforehand, especially, and, and when you're rehousing, you obviously, you know, a rehouse is probably going to come, you, you know, those yeah. ones are easier to predict. So, I mean, if you see, you know, you're like, oh, you know, my next rehouse is coming up. And, you know, if you keep track of the molts and stuff, like I use an app, um, you can kind of guesstimate. I mean, obviously it's not an exact science because you can never really guess when they're mm -hmm. going to molt, but you can definitely have things set up and ready to go. Um, and especially with the bioactive, I think it's really important to make sure that it's well established because you don't want to be reaching in there and fixing the plant because, you know, it, it you know, you don't want to stick your hands in there with, with the spider in there. I mean, you can. <laughs> More probably, well, I mean, I have to, but I yeah. wouldn't it's recommend not recommended. it. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. recommended, but yeah. you can. Um, yeah, it, it like... depends how well you know your tarantula. That's. Like you said, Dorothy, I agree with you on that. Like, how well do you know your spider? And, and you know, um, over time, you kind of are able to observe those predictable behaviors or, you know, whatever invert it is. Because I do also have some assassin bugs, and they are also venomous. Um, I was so, so close in getting some today. Oh, they're so amazing. And I didn't. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> um, but also, how another another tip, Leah, just yeah. on that. Top topic when you're asking about setting it up the, something that I found really useful and it's something so obvious uh -huh. uh, it's going to sound oh that's obvious Nat why are you saying that um, I, I, I have an alarm that goes off every Friday when I get home from work that tells me to water my plants okay. so lot, lots of people fail at growing bioactive enclosures with plants in because they forget to water the plants they're oh. concentrating on maybe the inverts that are in there and they're not 
doing it and you have to be it's just sort of staying on top of it and after i start because i had lost a couple of enclosures uh, that i was trying to set up um mm -hmm. or they've set up and the, and the plants die in it and it's like oh frustrating you've spent, you've, you've spent money on those plants that you're putting yeah. in and you think oh well i can keep a spider alive or a or a praying mantis but i can't keep a plant alive what's that about right but, <laughs> but you're so focused on looking after the creature that's in there you're not thinking about the bigger thing so just to have that little reminder to be like hey you need to water your plants right. so it goes off well, and, I go, and i and i go around and water it and it's not on the same day that because i feed all of my animals on a saturday or sunday okay so the plant waterings on a friday just so it's different so it's a different task a different thing to focus on and yeah. you know that it's done it and since doing that um i've been a lot more successful in keeping them alive wonderful but, but also some of them they like humidity so maybe for if if for people that are starting off doing it um just um just use a pothos because they're hardy they're they're generally good i have killed one in well, an enclosure but um, i believe yeah i know right dorothy <laughs> <laughs> so i mean um, that's impressive the the mantis yeah. garden suggested ivy to me is that also another plant that that I, is hardy I, and yeah, ivy absolutely cool. yeah ivy is is a good hardy one especially if you want like a creeper mm. um mm -hmm. if you've got something going up the cork bark or or things like that and there's other creeper plants that are really good as well which, which will be good i'll send you a list of some ones that i found basically. i would love that absolutely yeah. yeah what about you dorothy do you have like a go-to plant for um your bioactive um, enclosures I really like pothos, but I also really like Tradescantia. They're kind of like a, a creeping plant, you know, definitely for the bottom, but they grow really well, especially the, the pistachio white Tradescantia. Um, it just grows like mad and it's easy to awesome. just trim, propagate, put some more in there, you know, and I like being able to reproduce from my own plants because mm. One thing that yeah. I have to be really careful about, like when you're getting plants for a bioactive enclosure is to make sure, you know, there's no pesticides or, you know, like the soil, like where you're, where you're sourcing your plants from. That's kind of like what I like to do with my feeders. Like I'll get one thing of feeders and then I've just taken them and then I've made them reproduce so that I have my own, you know, my own thing going on so that I don't yeah. have to, oh, what's the pesticide like how is this being taken care of like you know are they using a miticide or anything else you know there's a lot of things that you have to be mindful about when you are choosing plants for a bioactive enclosure so that's why i like things that i can propagate myself from my own plants and to like just to re reproduce on my own instead of relying on outside sources which i i mean it's really great to you know like i know that there are a lot of people who have like plants that are safe like that are available i know the bio dude used to have plants. Yep. I don't know if he still does, but I think I Josh's frogs also has plants. Yeah, Josh, Josh's, Josh's sure. frogs definitely does. Um, yeah. Still doing that. And just very quickly, um, before we get to the end of the podcast, is uh, so you talk, you touched on like pest, pesticides and um, different sorts of things. So it's it's very tempting to just go out into the back garden and dig up soil to use within <laughs> your enclosures. Yeah. Um, now, I would strongly advise anyone that's listening to this to do that, unless you are going deep into the wilderness to dig it up um, to avoid pesticides. But then also we do have the problem with nematodes when we're thinking about in the tarantula hobby. Yep. So you are better off getting it from a, a tarantula um substrate maker or uh, someone within the within the pet world however you can still get bad substrate so it's just something to be very mindful of um when we're when we are thinking about that and when that sort of goes on to the idea as well of collecting moss and sticks and different things uh bark and things from from the wild um lots of people uh uh boil it do you boil it or cook it in the oven cook it in the oven yeah 200 degrees Fahrenheit, boil it and bake it yeah, yeah boil, boil and bake it's good you know mm -hmm. you got to make sure or freeze and... i'll freeze things like leaves like if i get oh, like true. leaf litter and stuff i freeze it 
and then I'll bake it so that, you know, yeah. I freeze everything that's on it and then I fry anything that's left. <laughs> oh, oh I, I thought I was losing the plot the other year. I collected all the leaves, stuck them all in the freezer, boiled <laughs> them and then baked them just to be sure, you know, and it, and it was lovely. And, but it, it, it's, it's definitely a process, but also something we do need to be aware of as well as pollution when doing that. So if mm -hmm. you're going to be collecting that kind of thing for your bioactive substrate, for your soil, for your enclosures, it's about doing it as far away from the road as you possibly can as well. Yes. Um, so Are especially sure? when we're collecting leaf litter and things, because yeah, it's just going to be better. I usually only do that for my rescues. I call them my rescues because they're native species to where I live, obviously. But, you know, I, I'll have friends and relatives who will be like, hey, I've got this black widow. I don't know what to do with it. Will you come get it? Um, so usually I'll, I'll use like substrate from, you know, here, obviously, or outside yeah. and whatnot. I only use them for my native species. Mm -hmm. So I'm not. Well, they've kind of been out. They 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 yeah. they've been outside, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of like this girl here. This is sorry. This is my little what, orb what weaver. Okay. Yeah, she's just a little juvenile, but I rescued her from uh, a friend's car, and so you know, I actually used um, a couple of sticks from outside mm -hmm. in her enclosure. That way, she has anchor points and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, no, brilliant. So, sorry, we we no 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 that 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 was I've never really thought about that. We don't yeah, well, really we don't we don't really have lots of really cool spiders. Well, we have got cool spiders. Yeah, you do. You have velvet spiders. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but the, I would just go out and be like, oh, I'm going to rescue it. Um, I think I think maybe we're just like really we're really used to it in the UK as well. Like our spiders all look quite similar. Well, not all of them, okay. but some of them. Um, so we're coming to the end, and it is the shameless plug section of uh, of Inverticast. Um, we yeah. do like a shameless plug. Usually, it's a time where the hosts get to say about their social medias and different things. And Dorothy, I don't know, would you like to shamelessly plug yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, Bougie Vecna. Um, I'm also on the TikTok, as the kids say, you know. The TikTok. <laughs> nice. And um, uh, my username on TikTok is the Salmo Queen. The Salmo so Queen. if you want to see any spider or other invert content, I I've really been slacking on posting, but I recently rescued a Ciotota Grossa outside of False Widow, and she is so cute. So I need to make a post about her. So if you want to see more about her, you're gonna have to check out my social media. Um, I also make enclosures. So if anyone wants a custom enclosure, um, they're anywhere from 35 to $45. I try to not charge a lot. I use USPS flat rate shipping. Um, they're super easy. I have assembly videos on my TikTok and on my Instagram if you want to see. Um, they're a really affordable way to have a nice enclosure. And um, I, I was really picky. I'm a DIY queen. So if you want an enclosure, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram, TikTok, anything. Um, and or if and you what's, what's the name of your Discord. Instagram again? Bougie Vecna. Can you spell so my that Instagram for the listeners? Vecna. Yeah, B-O-U-J-E-E-V-E-C-N-A. So Thank you can you. find me on Instagram. And then TikTok is the Salmo Queen. So yeah, that's my shameless plug. And also bringing it back because I love Amy from Fang Hub by Tarantulas from Fang Hub. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dorothy, yeah. I do love your enclosures. Oh. I gotta say. Yeah, I they are, I think they, they're they're spot on. They're they spot are, on. Are, are you, have you got an Etsy shop as well yet? Uh no, I do oh. not. I just Ooh. I just do it, you know, I have a Google Doc that people fill out. I'm it's just me, you know, making these enclosures for fun. So I just but I, I Etsy's not a bad idea. Yeah, well, that's actually, it's really nice that you make it custom as well, which I, I think is really oh, yeah. important, you know, to people's taste. Leah, have you yeah. got a shameless plug for today? Absolutely. I've got uh, Tarantulia on YouTube, Tarantulia on TikTok, Instagram. Um, I have a rehousing video coming up of a very spicy Cereopagus Um So stay tuned for that. Uh, and that's about all I've got. Nice. <laughs> and of course, 
fang hub tarantulas eight paws tarantulas i love these guys they're all really wonderful i think there's another one uh daenerys mother of spiders is she's kind of up and coming she's really really getting popular so check that one out as well if you're in the oh, u.s I'll check that out. yeah i'll just all check right, it yeah. out i can't i can't get it but i'll just <laughs> check them out absolutely <laughs> cool and uh yes i do have a shameless plug as always so <laughs> we're gonna do an unshameless plug so first of all if anyone listened to uh the rubber ducky isopod episode um it has been edited to make it child friendly but at the end you are going to find a brilliant discount code which is inverticast 25 and it goes on for the rest of this month uh the rest middle of next month sorry um yeah. where you can get up to 25 percent off of all isopods on their store in the us so go check them out you can also get a discount on the spider shop in the uk using the discount code somerset that is my discount code and people have been using it and it's brilliant so uh for those who didn't go to the invert show today get over there and go and uh Go and get yourself some spiders because you need them and use discount code Somerset to get a really good discount on there. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I don't know how to use TikTok, but I'm on it. And <laughs> um, yeah, go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe. And don't forget to, for everyone to su subscribe to all the presenters on this podcast. Um, it means the world to us to, to have you guys watching us, listening us. And um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Oh, all there the goes love. Dorothy. Oh, she went. Oh, no. <laughs> She's gone. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, Leah. It was lovely as always. Yes, you as well, Nat. Thanks so much. Okay. It was, it was okay. fun. I love talking about dirt. <laughs> <laughs>